so our scripture for today is from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Thank you. I love it. Recruiting through cuteness. Well played. Nicely done. If I weren't preaching, I'd try to get back there. That's fun. Actually, I was back there. A couple weeks ago when I wasn't preaching, I was kind of going around checking out the kids' ministry, and I ended up in the nursery because we could use some more recruits. So if you want to come out, she's, she's telling the truth there. Um, welcome, everybody, to Current. Glad you guys could join us. I'm, I'm David. Today, we're beginning a new series we're calling Unpacking the Essentials. Unpacking the Essentials. We're, we're back in the book of Luke. Uh, for those of, uh, of you who were with us a while back, last year, we started going through the book of Luke in July, and then we got, uh, we kind of visited it off and on, and we kind of hit the pause button this year of January, so now we're, we're getting back to Luke a little bit, um, and I'm really excited to do that with you. If I could summarize, uh, this is a way oversimplification, but the first part of Luke is essentially Jesus saying, come, follow me. The second half is essentially and here's how, okay? So what we're going to do in this, in this series is look at some of these ways that Jesus kind of gives us as, as life essentials for us to live out the faith, what he, what he calls us to and how that ought to look in our lives. Um, Luke 18 has a lot of red letter. If your Bible still does that, and, you know, it's the words of Jesus, the, the teachings of Jesus. He really gets at a lot of these essentials that we, we want to unpack together. Life essentials like forgiveness, faith, humility. Uh, today, though, we're going to start with unpacking prayer, un unpacking prayer. And it's just my humble opinion as a, as a pastor here that prayer is of the utmost importance right now. It's just, it's as important as, as ever. If you were here with us a couple of months ago when we had our soft launch, so not to be confused with our launch party, uh, at our soft launch, so the first Sunday we were in this space, we decided to focus in on prayer then, thinking it's just really important going into this transition, being in this new space, and, and all, the, all the rest of it. Well, I just humbly believe prayer is now even more important for us as a church, just with all the different things going on. But I also think just kind of spiritually speaking, if I could put it that way, one of the things I love most about Current is that we are, we are a young church. And by that, I don't just mean age. There, there are many of you who are new to the faith. I love that. Prayer is so important. Prayer is so important for those of you who've been following with the Lord for a long time. If anything, you know, as you grow in your faith, you know that prayer can really feel like a wrestle with God, not just something that comes naturally. But it almost seems to me that growing in our faith is growing in prayer. Now, please understand, I'm not saying growing in prayer, praying lofty prayers, you know, like increasing our vocabulary and using big words. That's not what we're saying, but it's growing in a closeness to the Lord. Uh, I, I didn't plan this, but this last week, our Alpha course just happened to be focusing in on the topic of prayer. 
Alpha Course being what we offer as a church to those exploring the faith. Uh, and we were looking at the topic of prayer, and, and the speaker in that video said, prayer is the most important activity of our lives. And even as a pastor, I had to kind of double, double think that one. Like, wait, wait, the most important? Re- really? But if you think about it, I mean, prayer is one of the absolute most important ways. It, it's the most important way we communicate, we commune with God. And if he is the most important relationship that we have, then prayer, yes, prayer is exceedingly important. The last thing I'll say here just at the top is that I have also just for whatever reason had a much higher concentration of folks coming to me uh, as a pastor asking about this very topic, prayer. How does it work? How does God move in it? How, how, how does it look when, when it seems like he's not there and, and the rest of it? Prayer is, is really important. So we're, we're going to unpack that today as Jesus teaches on prayer. But notice that Jesus isn't teaching to pray, but to pray, quote, always and to never give up. That's the first verse of our text, to always pray and not to give up. That word in the Greek, to not give up, is the word to not become disheartened, to not lose hope, to not become so discouraged that we just go, you know what, I'm I'm done with it. It's an essential for us, the Lord says, to learn to always pray and not give up. So more specifically, what we're going to do today is actually through this story, this, this parable that Jesus gives, look at a few objections that often hinder us from, from praying. But first, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for prayer, this gift of communicating with you. We, we recognize that much of it is something we need to learn and grow in, mature in, even as there's so much uh, fruit, even, even at the surface of it, because we get to commune with you, our Heavenly Father. And so, Father, as individuals and as a church, would you help us grow into increasingly becoming people of prayer, a church of prayer, because, Lord, we are utterly dependent on you in every which way. And so help us to learn to always pray and not to give up, as your son taught us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so Jesus here is teaching on prayer that we ought to always pray and not give up through story or parable, which is really just a, a story with a spiritual lesson. And in classic Jesus form, he, he, he gets kind of provocative with this story. Uh, I love how Jesus would, would teach in provocative ways. He really tries to kind of shock our system so that we pay attention. He tells the story of this unjust judge. And let me, let me kind of reread some of it here. He said, in a certain town, verse 2, There was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Have any of you ever had somebody, and kids will especially do this, just pester you, just come to you over and over, bothering you until finally you cave? You know what I'm saying? All of us have experienced that, right? Every, every single one of us. So we can kind of get into that framework to understand what Jesus is kind of talking about here with this unjust uh, judge and, and the widow. This widow won't take no for an answer. She just goes to this judge day after day with her case, pleading, bothering this guy, pestering him, 
seeking justice. And I know it's story, but I really admire this widow. I mean, she is just, widows back in Jesus' day were the most vulnerable and unprotected people in society. I mean, it's just bar none. I mean, that's still essentially true today. But back then, 2,000 years ago, this gal just didn't have a lot going for her, to put it mildly. And yet she just took it upon herself. She's like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see this judge. And, you know, the, the judge, the judicial system back then wasn't favorable to anyone, let alone widows. So she just kind of did her best to go see this Roman judge, as, as Jesus is telling it here, and just say, okay, I, I, want, I want justice. Nothing would stop her. She just kept going. And finally, of course, the point is the unjust judge relents. Jesus, of course, is making the point, if this unjust judge will relent, how much more will God listen and come to you when you pray. Remember, the teaching thought here is to always pray and to not give up. One of the objections that can hinder us from praying, let alone and never giving up, is, is the objection, does God even care? I mean, that has to be one of the objections Jesus is raising with this parable because he really highlights it here when he describes this judge. He says, a judge that neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Like this, this guy didn't even care for people and he still helped this widow. And you know, it's, it's interesting if you did a quick superficial reading of this text, you, would, you, could, you could maybe come away from Jesus' t- teaching thinking, okay, if this unjust judge finally relents, relents because he was bothered to this degree, okay, so God will eventually relent. Because he, and you know, he, he doesn't care, just like that unjust judge, unjust judge, but that's missing the point that Jesus is making, of course, and that is he's contrasting God from the unjust judge. Jesus' whole point here is, unlike the unjust judge who doesn't care, who still helped this widow, how much more will God, who does care, help you, come to your aid, be with you when you, when you pray? Have you ever wondered if God cares about what you're praying about. Um, I've had a few people over the last few weeks uh, visit with me, as I mentioned earlier, and this is essentially the question they're asking. Some even articulated it outright. Does God care? I don't, I don't know. Uh, this is a question I've asked at different points in my life. Does God care? Sometimes it's like out just explicitly. Sometimes it's just kind of underneath the surface a little bit, but sometimes we can ask, does God care? And what Jesus is trying to make exceedingly clear here is God absolutely cares. Uh, Earlier in in Luke, Jesus was teaching on prayer, and he posed this question. This is back in Luke 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I think one of the parenting questions of our age is, at what point do you give your kid a phone? (laughs) I'm serious. Every parent's got to figure that one out. When do you give your kid a phone? Cindy and I have been going around asking parents of older kids, like, hey, when did you give your phone? And we've had a few say, never. We'll never give them the phone. Not until they move out, they're not getting a phone, you know, that kind of deal. And then other parents are like, oh, we'll give them real, real young, but we're going to put on a lot of safeguards and all that sort of stuff. Cindy and I, with our kids in fifth grade and third grade, are not yet ready to give our kids phones, okay? We're still working that out. But that doesn't mean our kids aren't coming to us day after day with their plea. You know what I'm saying? 
Like they're doing that all the time. We know well that their classmates have phones and you know what they could, you know what I'm saying? But when they come to us day after day, pleading their case, we are not, from our humble discernment, saying no to that because we don't love them. Or to be more explicit about it, that we don't care for them. Actually, it's precisely because we care for them that we're not yet ready to give, their, to give them a phone. Jesus says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, though you're evil, how much more will God? Even the best parents on their best days cannot match how much God knows and cares for us. And so what Jesus is saying with our text is, yeah, look at, look at the unjust, unjust judge will help this widow. How much more will have your heavenly father, your God who cares for you, who does care for you, does care for people, how much more will he meet you when you pray? He absolutely cares. But here's the thing that happens. Uh, when we get our hearts just so set on something, just we get our hearts so set on something, what can happen is if we don't get it, or we don't get it in the timing that we really feel like we should, if it's then when we go, you know what? I'm not so sure this is working. I'm not so sure if God cares. When things are going great and it's all intellectual, we can go, okay, yeah, I know God cares. But when it really comes down to it, when we don't have a need met or something happening in our life the way we want to, then we go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 God cares. It's not to say that our desires aren't good or our desires are necessarily bad, but if our desires become what's more important than actually the one who meets us in prayer, then we might be missing the point is what Jesus is saying. Uh, Jesus is saying when it feels like God doesn't care, he does, so keep praying and don't give up. Uh, Peter put it this way in, in his epistle. He said, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do, do you believe that? If you're really wrestling with something, this is not academic in nature for you. This is a heart-level question for you. Do you really believe that he, that he cares for you? Because Jesus is saying, rest assured, God, God does care, cares. That's the first objection we may raise that might hinder us from praying, let alone praying and never giving up. The section, second objection is, can he even do it? Is he able? And this question can take many forms for us. You know, is God able to answer my prayers or is there, say, some sin in my life that's preventing him from doing it? Can God answer my prayer or is there certain matters or circumstances at play that are just beyond it working out here? Jesus said in verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8, excuse me, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Now, of course, the widow is praying specifically for justice. But remember, the header of this whole talk, verse 1, is he's teaching us about prayer, that we always pray and, and never give up, whatever the case may be. But what we see in this story built into Jesus' very wise teaching here is this tension with timing. Do you see that? There's this tension built into his parable with timing. Because here's this widow who's going to this judge day after day, by definition, taking some time to do that. And yet Jesus at the end of it is saying, and it will happen for you quickly. Wait, 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 which is it? <laughs> is it it's going to take a while? Or 
that we ought to keep praying and never give up because it might not just take a while. Which, which, you see that tension of timing here? The answer is, it's both of those things. It was really interesting. I had one individual in particular uh, come in uh, to my office uh, recently asking about uh, matters related to this, asking about prayer. And at one point, they were processing out loud, saying, yeah, I've been praying for this for, for a while, and it's, and it's hard, and it's a struggle. And at one point, this individual circled back to what they had said. They're just processing out loud. And, and they said, you know, I said earlier that it's been a long while. And in some cases, it's, it's been a while that I've been praying about this. But you know what? Actually, it hasn't been that long. It hasn't been that long. And I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, man, that is so insightful. That is so insightful. And, and I can relate to that very thought. Because when our hearts are so set on something, we can pray about it, and we, if, if, if they are so set on it, we will feel like even a short time is a really long time. You tracking with me? <laughs> but the bigger point here, of course, is that time is, God doesn't, God isn't bothered by time like we are. And he actually uses time to much of his wisdom in terms of answering our prayers. Remember, God cares And that includes in the timing. He's going to answer, but it doesn't always mean that there's not going to be this tension with the timing. Uh, Again, I mentioned that we were looking at uh, this Alpha video this last week on prayer, and they used a really helpful illustration, I thought, for describing this dynamic in prayer. They said, imagine prayer, they said prayer is kind of like a traffic light, if you think about it. Like sometimes we get it, we pray, and there's a green light. The answer is yes. And sometimes that even happens in a real quick time frame. And that's wonderful when that happens. But other times we pray, and it's more a yellow light. And the answer is wait or not yet. And the illustration they used to talk about that is imagine a, a little you know, boy comes up to his dad and says, Daddy, I really want to drive. And Daddy, you know, boy's like over here. And, you know, the, the dad doesn't say to his son at the time, no, never. She says, not, not yet. Because, of course, you know, the kid needs to grow, I mean, quite physically, so they can reach the pedals and see over the steering column. They need to learn the rules of the road, let alone spatial awareness. They need to mature to make these big decisions of responsibility. Has there ever been a time in your life when something's worked out for you, but it happened a lot later than perhaps you would have liked originally, but then you look back on it, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad the timing of that worked out the way it did. Has that ever happened for you? I have one buddy who, as, as his greatest heart desire was to be married. And he was just praying for years and years for a good wife and just praying to be married. And it was just, it was just a, you know, it was a very heartfelt thing for him. He was just praying, praying. And it didn't happen right away. And he was just praying, praying. And eventually, years later, he, he got married. And, and I remember he looked back at it at one point, and he said, oh, my goodness, I am so thankful the Lord didn't answer that prayer when I was first praying that prayer. I'll give you some of the details. He's like, yeah, that, that girlfriend at the time. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's just like, no. He said, but also for me, like, I just wasn't ready to marry the right person. And so much of what we can do, sometimes if, so much of what prayer can be is sometimes it's a green light, but sometimes it's a yellow light. And the last, of course, it can sometimes be a, a red light. Sometimes when we pray something, the answer comes, but the answer is, is no. And this, of course, can be really hard, 
really hard to, to navigate. Uh, Cindy and I, uh, when we learned of her father's late-stage non-spoken cancer, uh, it just devastated us. Uh, he had become like a second dad to me. I mean, just love that guy. Just how much life wisdom that, that he had, just the joy of being around him. And so it was just really hard to learn that we were only going to have actually what, what amounted to at the time just a few, a few more weeks with him. All just happening so suddenly. You, you can believe that Cindy and I, others, were praying day after day, pleading with God to remove the cancer. And while I can point to many things at that same time of God's goodness in it all, for instance, him putting his faith in the Lord, but also miraculously getting a few more years that the doctors originally said were just not possible. And even in spite of that, that was, it was really hard. I still have questions. The questions then, I still have questions. But I can also tell you that that experience, if anything, has led me to pray more. Holocaust survivor Corey Tenboom described praying during hard times like this. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. I so love that Luke spells out the point of this text. You know, as a, somebody who studies to prepare a sermon for you guys, uh, I love when I get a verse like verse 1, because I'm like, all right, I think I can teach that. Because he just lays it out. He said, Jesus told his disciples this parable, wait for it, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. God cares. God is able. So you should pray always and not, not give up. But let's think about this for a minute. You know, as it kind of comes into our lives, like when we put our faith in Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, you will probably quickly learn verses, promises like Romans 8, 28. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That's a wonderful promise, right? But you know where my mind usually gets really stuck on? Like where my mind tends to focus? For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those, who, the, for the good part. <laughs> and in my mind, if I'm real with you, I process this out loud with you. I tend to see that for the good as what I determine best, what I think should be good, and the timing in which I think it. Because when I'm really set on something, when I have my heart's desire really kind of firmly placed, like I really want that good the way I want. But that's not the verse, is it? That's not the promise. The promise is in all things God will work for the good. What good? His good. Knowing you and knowing the best for you. And in all things, including the hard times, meaning not just when things are a cakewalk, which sadly in life, rarely they are. The question becomes, will we, will we, will we trust that God is, is good, working for our good, and that he, he is able? Here's the thing that I love about Jesus' teaching, perhaps the most here, because essentially in, in, in sharing this parable, this story, he's raising these objections kind of indirectly, right? He's talking about this, this judge who God is not like. He's kind of quite the opposite. This judge who doesn't love people. Like God cares and God will come through. These objections that can come in our hearts when it, to prevent us from praying. Does God care? Is he able? But then he flips the script at the end of the parable to say, now I have an objection. <laughs> Jesus is like, hey, here's some objections that I know get in the way, prevent you from always praying and not giving up. But 
Okay, now that we've talked about those, let me raise an objection myself. You tracking? Jesus is like, we've talked about the ones that prevent you. Now, let me talk about an objection I have. Here he says in verse 8, I tell you, God will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, that's referring to Jesus when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus' objection is, will we trust him? Will we have faith? For instance, in our prayers, when we're walking through hard things. You see, to Jesus, these questions of will God show up, does he care, are a foregone conclusion. The Son of God knows that God absolutely cares and absolutely can and will show up in the way that he deems best and is best. That's not a question for Jesus. The question Jesus has is, will we trust him? Will he find faith in us? Because you see, at the end of the day, you know what Jesus cares most about? You know what God cares most about? It's you and me. Not so much answering our prayers. Now, he cares about answering our prayers. We've covered that. But he cares about answering our prayers because he cares about us. He loves you for who you are. He wants the best for your circumstances, how he understands them to be. But what happens for us when we pray, if our heart gets really set on things, or, or even more to Jesus' point, when we don't pray or we give up on thinking it's even possible or God cares or whatever the case might be, it's almost as if we've put the cart in front of the horse. We've made the provision more important than the provider. But Jesus is saying we can come to him in prayer because he can be trusted. Will you trust him? I love this teaching because Jesus essentially is acknowledging the fact that life is hard. Sin is in this world. It's going to frustrate things. We're, also, we're always going to be experiencing pain, loss, hurt, discomfort. Life is filled with these things. And Jesus wants us to most of all understand, yeah, he'll take care of the different things that we're thinking about. He'll work things out for good. But most of all, you have him. You can trust him. You can put your faith in him. Will you trust him? That to me is the key insight that I'm personally taking away from this text is that Jesus allows us this opportunity, affords us this opportunity almost most intimately in prayer. Prayer is the place where we can go ask, bring our different anxieties to him, but also lean in, trust him. I think the, the best human example of this is uh, my namesake, you know, the ancient King David, if you've read his Psalms, he's written a lot of the Psalms, you know that he wasn't just a skillful warrior and king. He was also a, a great poet, lyricist. And in a lot of these Psalms, he just, man, he, he wears his emotions on his sleeves and he's so good with words. You really feel all the stuff he's going through. And he's gone through some stuff. He goes through some stuff that he writes about in real time. And so there are a bunch of places in the Psalms where David goes, God, where are you at? I have these things that I've been thinking about. I've been bringing to you. I want deliverance. I want healing. I want all of this. And it seems like you're not there. Incidentally, this is the same person that God described as the man after his own heart. God, where are you at? Do you care? Can you show up? And yet you know how David ends so many of those same psalms. He starts with saying, hey, God, do you care? Where you, will you show up? He ends those psalms with saying, nevertheless, you are my hope. You are my rock. You are my salvation. And you, I place my trust. 
He's working out in real time what it is. I believe a big part of prayer can be for you and me as we grow in our faith. We grow in our prayer. And our growing in our prayer is learning to lean in and trust him. Ask him for things because he cares for them. Understand that he is going to answer them. But most of all, it's our place and opportunity to really lean in and put our trust and hope in him, knowing that he can be trusted. The thing I love about Jesus' teaching time and time again is he is not inviting us into something that he doesn't himself intimately understand. Jesus himself understands what it's like to pray and wonder, or at least be tempted to wonder, does God really care? Is he really going to come through? Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before going to the cross, the night in which he was going to be betrayed, Jesus went into the garden with a few disciples to do what? To pray. Listen to this account in Mark. In light of our teaching today, in light of Luke 18, it says, they went into a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be Deeply distressed and troubled, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. We're told at this point, he heads back to where the disciples were, and he finds that they were sleeping, so he kind of rouses them to keep watch again, do a better job this time. And then in verse 39, it goes on to say, once more Jesus went away and prayed the same thing. I had never noticed this detail in this very famous text before this week in light of Luke 18. Jesus went and prayed the same thing. He wasn't giving up on the prayer. And what was his prayer? His prayer was wrestling through with the Father. Are we sure I've got to go to the cross? You see, for the Son of God to be quaking in his boots a little bit there... He wasn't just facing death. He was overwhelmed to the, to the sorrow and point of the death because he was getting ready to bear your sin and mine and everybody who would receive him by faith. He would receive their punishment, their penalty for living a life apart from God. He was going to take all of that on his body. And in the, in the face of that, what did he do? First of all, he prayed and he didn't give up. And where did he conclude his prayer? Nevertheless, your will, not mine. Jesus doesn't ask you or me into anything that he doesn't himself understand far, far greater. Jesus was tempted to wonder if God the Father, in that moment at least, cared. He was tempted to know if he was able to do something. And he said, I know you care. I know you're able to do all things. And this is what you've decided for me. So in a way, Jesus experienced a red light in that garden for the sake of green light of bringing us home into his family through what he would do on the cross. And if he did that for us, if he faced that for us, I think we can maybe begin to sort of start to trust him a little bit when it comes to praying. And I would just say, if you're here today and you've never received the good news or gospel, that's what, that's what I want to put before you right now. The, the, the good news, the gospel of the Christian faith is Jesus came to live the life that you ought to live, but you don't, and die the death that you deserve for the sake of bringing you into his family, that if you would receive that by faith, forgiveness of sins, 
for what he accomplished on the cross for you. You can do that today by praying and asking, Lord, I, I receive what you did for me through your death and your resurrection. Forgive me and help me follow after you. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to make a little note on your connection card so we can be praying for you in that. In fact, there'll be a prayer team up forward uh, in, a, in a few moments that you could take advantage of as well. But if you have received Jesus, I mean, let me just read this text because I feel like this summarizes it all. Romans 8, 32 says, He, God, who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God gave us his son, loves you and me that much, he loves you enough to answer whatever it is you have as your heart's desire in light of loving you and wanting the best for you. The question is, when Jesus comes back, will he find faith? Will he find faith? So I just encourage you to do, the application points are again, verse one. Are you praying? As in at all, okay? Let's start there. And I, I know I say that to a laugh, but I'm serious. I mean, there's, I don't know how, it was a while ago, but I, like as a pastor, I'd love to like, you know how like the, the techie guys will go around and say, have you, have you tried rebooting? You know, as a pastor, I should say, have you tried praying? And I need to look down at it myself from time to time. Like, I'm serious. Like, are you praying? And then if you are, and if you're not, there's your first step, okay? And if you are praying, are you, are you praying without giving up? Without losing heart. And maybe the place to turn there are some of these psalms that King David shows us. Because, man, if Jesus did that for us, in light of his teaching, but in light of his love for you on the cross, if he did that for, for us, he is more than worthy to find faith when he returns. Would we express that faith to him? Would we grow in that faith for him through prayer? Uh, let's turn to him now in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the gift of prayer. Thank you so much that you made a way possible for us to be in relationship with you, paying for our sin with your, with your blood, and then also inviting us to pray and cry out to you in, in similar ways that you did with your, your heavenly Father, Abba, Father. We thank you for this gift, and we ask that you would help us grow in prayer. Would you help us become increasingly people of prayer? Would you help us to always pray and, and never give up? Lord, you are just, you are worthy of our faith and trust in you. And we are so grateful that you've made all of this possible. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.